Romans chapter 12, if you have your Bibles. I'm going to read lengthily tonight, so I'm going to let you be seated. You've been standing a long time. If I was going to be reading a short passage, we'd remain standing, but you've been standing for a while. And so, Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to begin with verse 1, reading down uh, a ways through Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, even to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according to God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then, then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry. Let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. And he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Verse number 16 now. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense no man evil, evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. Most of you could quote this passage. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Are you glad for the church of God tonight? Amen. I want to preach to you just for a little bit tonight on a call to commitment. A call to commitment. I was wondering today, as I was doing some reading, why do you suppose that in America there is over a hundred million church members? Yet, we are not making any more of a moral or spiritual impact in the world. I wonder why that is. Why is it that Sunday morning thousands of churches have more empty pews than full pews? Why is it that the average Sunday school in America has less than 66 in attendance 
and that average worship has less than 84 in attendance on any given Sunday. Why is it that only 50% of the number on any church membership can be expected to attend on any given Sunday? If Christianity really believes in a real heaven and a real hell, how can we be so uncommitted? The answer to this question is tragically simple. Many people believe in God, but most are not committed to God. It is possible to be a member of Christian Life Church and not be committed to God. It is sad, but it is true. It is possible there is a difference in believing in God and having relationship with God. There is, of course, a difference between believing and committing. Perhaps this cannot be seen any clearer than it is in the failure rate of marriages in America. Should I even go there? According to statistics, at least 50% of all marriages in America will end in divorce. Why do you suppose this is happening? Charles Stanley, in his book, Confronting Casual Christianity, says that it is because many of these couples made a decision but did not make a commitment. Could it be possible that a lot of people make a decision about what church they're going to attend, but they never make a commitment to the church that they attend? Every person who is married made a decision. They, they stood before a preacher and made promises and recited vows. They made a decision. They kissed each other, walked out together to live, but not necessarily happily ever after. And not necessarily to live forever together. So, so why, why are there so many divorces and why are they ending up divorced? The answer is that they made a decision, but they did not truly commit their lives to each other. It became optional. It depended on how they felt today. It, de- it depended on what kind of day they were having or what kind of uh, activities that they might have ran into. So much of our commitment is dependent upon the atmosphere that we're living in. The same is true in the church. The reason that the church may not be making more of an impact, and I say the church because I, I'm using this term very loosely today as I'm speaking on this subject because I do believe this church is making an impact. I warn us against ever becoming a church that is not making an impact. Because there's so many churches and the church in general in America is not making the impact that it needs to make. We must never as a church reach a point where that we fail to be impacting. 
The reason that the church is not making more of an impact in our society, although there are a lot of church members, it is very simply because they have committed to an assembly, but they have not committed to be part of the body. I didn't think you were going to want to run the aisles tonight. I gave you a little break this morning because you got up an hour early. I told them to fix bucketfuls of coffee this morning to try to wake everybody up, and it still didn't work. But now we have no excuse tonight because it's uh, three minutes before 7 o'clock, and if they wouldn't have changed the time, we'd be kicking off church right about now. So if it's all right with you, we've kind of gone through the motions a little bit tonight. But if it's all right with you, can we engage and have a little church for the next little bit? Is it all right if we come to church a little while? Are there any committed apostolics in the house tonight that said, I am more than just showing up to church, but I am committed to the kingdom of God? I more than just believe in Jesus' name baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I am committed to Jesus' name baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Come on, you got to do more than believe this message and believe this doctrine. You have got to commit to this message and commit to this doctrine and commit to it with all of your heart. When the pilot of a giant airliner prepares for takeoff, I found this interesting. They have a certain point in their takeoff procedure as that giant airliner begins rolling down the tarmac and is getting ready <coughs> to take its flight. As it approaches a certain speed depending on the size and the weight of that particular airliner, they reach the point of no return. In other words, they are going so fast, yet they are, they are still on the ground. But they reach a certain point. I didn't know this, Danny. You never taught me this. But they reach a certain point. I had to read this for myself. Next time, bring me these articles. I preach about them. The, the, the jetliner reaches a certain point that they cannot shut down the engine and turn on the brakes. Because if they shut down the engine and turn, turn on the brakes, it will immediately end in a crash. So there is a point of no return. When it crosses that line, the, the, the pilot is committed to the air. And he has to take off to prevent a very dangerous and disastrous crash that would be imminent. Just at that moment, he has to be sharp enough to know, I am at the point that no matter what goes wrong, I am committed to taking the flight. The pilot can no longer change his mind. He is completely committed. Unfortunately, I wish I had the strength to preach what I feel tonight. Unfortunately, churches are filled with members who reach the point that they are about to take off and launch. But something happens in them that they feel like, no, I can't. I'm going to pull back. And when you pull back, it is a moment that causes people to crash and burn. 
They've been revived. They've been revving their engine, making a lot of noise, getting ready. But they do something themselves that prevents them from being able to launch. I come tonight to tell you that I wish that this church, every member of this church, would get so full of commitment that you would understand there is no turning back, no turning around. We are on a mission. It is crash and burn or it is the air. And I'm choosing to do what God has called me to do. Let's throttle forward in 2016 and declare I'm going to do more than I have ever done for the Lord. A lot of folks have been planning on it. They've been talking about it. They've been meaning to. They've been wanting to. They've been going to. They've been aiming to. They've been hoping to. But they lack the commitment to. But the tragedy of tragedies is that so many people sit through a revival service week after week after week after week and they never get off of the ground. They come through the service and they go back home and they go back to the same life that they came out of. They come to the altar, they pray, they get a touch from the Lord, but they leave and they go back into the same thing that they just came from. They get a touch from the Lord. They feel good. They tell people, oh man, I'm never going back now. I won't go back. Can't go back to the way it used to be. And oh, we mean it. We mean it with all of our heart. But we get up from the altar and we walk out the door and we go back to the same life. We go back to the same lifestyle. We go back to the same problems. We go back to the same things. Listen, you can do all. You can read all the books you want to read. You can get all the help you want to help. But until you make up in your mind that you are going to make a commitment to change, there is nobody going to be able to change for you. But when you make up in your mind, mind. I am going to move forward in God. I am going to make a change. There isn't a devil in hell big enough to be able to prevent you from being able to make that change. In Romans chapter 12, the apostle Paul issues a clear call for commitment. He says, I beseech ye, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Everybody say a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word present here in this text is a technical Greek word used for offering sacrifice. In offering sacrifice, when it says to present, it, it doesn't say, I command you. It doesn't say, in, it's not used in a forceful way. It's not used in a way that you have to do it. I'm going to have to slow down and get some of you to get on board with me with what I'm telling you right now. The word present is a voluntary call. 
such as made in the sacrifice of the scripture of the Old Testament. He doesn't say, I command you. He says, I beseech you, brethren. That word beseech means that I request of you, brethren. I ask of you, I even beg of you. That is something completely up to you. I'm not going to force it on you. I'm not going to make you do it. I'm not going to give you a list of do's and don'ts and tell you this is what you have to do and don't have to do. I've had folks that's misunderstood my leadership as a pastor. And they've said, well, pastor, you need to you know, put your foot down a little more and you need to say this is the way it's going to be. That's not how the Bible's written. The Bible's written in this way. To whomsoever wants to come, let him come. But the Lord's not going to make you follow him. He's not going to make you live a life of holiness. He's not going to make you live a life of separation. He's not going to make you live a life of righteousness. You've got to want it bad enough that you declare this is what I want to do. And when you make up your mind this is what I want to do, ain't nobody going to stop you from doing it. But on the flip side, I can tell you all day this is what you're going to have to do and I'm not big enough, strong enough, or tough enough to make any of you do it because you will rebel and never do it unless it gets in your spirit. Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, present a voluntary act. Paul goes on to say, he says, this is your reasonable, everybody say reasonable, this is your reasonable service based on what I have understood about this text. That word reasonable simply means logical. It makes sense, in other words. All you analytical people out there, it makes sense to present your bodies a living sacrifice. It makes sense when you think about it. In other words, he's saying under, under, the, under the, 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 the pretense of recognizing how good God has been to you. When you think about how faithful God has been, how wonderful God has been, how good God has been, it is just logical that you would want to present your life a living sacrifice unto the Lord. I come tonight to ask somebody, has God been good enough to anybody that you're going to say, ain't nobody going to have to make me. I'll do it because I want to, but I will present my life to the Lord wholly, fully. I will sacrifice my life for His sake. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise in the house. Now, under the sacrificial system, when the animal sacrifice of the Old Testament was to be sacrificed, I'm so glad we live in the New Testament. But the types and shadows of the Old Testament are really cool. And I love to bring the types and shadows of the Old Testament into the New Testament. So let me teach you something here just for a moment. Some of you are going to know this. For some of you, this is going to be new revelation to you. And when you see this, it's going to change your life if you receive it tonight. Under the sacrificial system of animals that was to be sacrificed, there was a commitment made to the priest. They brought the sacrifice. And the priest took the sacrifice. And he had to inspect the sacrifice. He looked for blemishes. He looked for flaws. Because in the Old Testament, under animal sacrifice procedure, the, the, it had to be the firstborn. It had to be the best of the herd. It had to be spotless. It couldn't have a scratch. It couldn't have a blemish. It couldn't have a sore. It couldn't have anything that made it imperfect. It had to be absolutely perfect. And after it went went through the, the, the perfecting and it, it was looked over and it was inspected and it was received. 
they took that animal. And it now is a living sacrifice. It has now been acceptable as the sacrifice. When the priest received that animal from that person that has brought it to him. When he took that sacrifice into his hand. There was a transition. There was a transference. There was no taking it back. I got to let this settle in now. There was no taking it back. It was a commitment. Were the animal still alive? The animal still not dead? It's still not been put on the altar? It's still not been, there's still no blood been shed? There's nothing happened. But there was a commitment that was made for the sacrifice. And the priest took the animal and he lays the animal on the altar of sacrifice. And there were four horns on the altar and those horns were protrusions that stuck up, believed perhaps to even be literal such as a goat horn that would have been on the, the edge and it came out in some uh, shape or form where that they could easily tie to that horn of the altar. And here this altar is with four horns on the altar and they would take that sacrifice and they would tie the limbs of that sacrifice to the four horns of the altar. And that sacrifice now has been tied to the altar. It was a sign of total commitment. That animal was tied down to the altar. It could not be removed. It, it, can I just say to you tonight that it is impossible to be sort of committed. It is impossible to be partially sacrificial. It is impossible. You are either all in or you're not in at all. In like manner, as the sacrifice was laid on the altar and tied to the four horns of the altar, I hear, I hear the apostles saying, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What he's saying is, don't make some preacher take you down and tell you this is what you got to do. Get enough gumption in your spirit that you say, God, here I am. Tie me down to the altar. I will present my life to you, committed totally to your work. Maybe you heard the story down at Farmer's Field. You had a pig and a chicken, and they went walking down the road together talking. As they were walking down the road, they saw one of those homemade billboards on the side advertising this Breakfast to benefit the poor. The quick-witted chicken looks at the pig and he says, we should get on board with this. You and I should donate ham and eggs to their breakfast. (laughs) 
the late crowd's arriving now. <laughs> the pig replied, not quite so fast. For you, it's just a contribution. <laughs> but for me, that's total commitment. Hmm. At least the pig understood it's not possible to offer a partial sacrifice. Neither is it possible to offer a partial commitment. To commit ourselves to God means that we are yielding ourselves to Him, surrendering to Him, abandoning ourselves to Him, entrusting ourselves to Him, and placing ourselves at His disposal. True commitment is not something that you can take back. When you make a commitment to God, it is just that. I have made a commitment to you. I have made up in my mind. Verse 2 says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Somebody tonight needs to get a renewed mind about your commitment to God and say, you know what? I'm tired of being up and down and in and out and not sure and sure and not sure and sure. But tonight it doesn't matter if you fill out a pledge card or don't. If somebody leaves here tonight with a made up mind saying I'm going to commit to God in a way I've never committed. My commitment's not predicated on your action, how happy I am or anything that's going on around me. But my Bible tells me to present my body. Verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now there's two words in the original Greek here that deserve some special attention. The first word is translated conformed. This is the word that we get our English word scheme. From. It means confirmation that it is outward without necessarily any inner heart change. There's a lot of people show up to church with a scheme in mind. Hello? Wake up your neighbor, tell him it's not nap time. That word means Confirmation that it is outward without a necessary change of the heart or inner change. The second word is translated transformed. Conformed and transformed. Be not conformed, but be transformed. This is the word from which we get the English word metamorphosis. This is a change that happens from the inside out. When the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, there is a metamorphosis that takes place. You don't see what is happening on the outside until it breaks forth. But there is something happening on the inside. Oh, I feel my help coming. Don't ever be swayed by people that's wanting everybody to watch and see all the changes that God is making in your life. 
but you watch that person that'll go to their prayer closet and let God start changing their heart on the inside and you're saying I don't know if there's anything going on I'm not seeing a lot of change get ready because when God does the work in their heart they're going to come out of that cocoon and they're going to do more than everybody or anybody that, that, that you could possibly imagine because it is a change of the heart God is not interested in how much decoration you can put on the outside and how well you learn how to sing how well you learn how to get your praise on but God is interested in the heart of man that says God change me in my heart David said wash me cleanse me he said God don't do it on the surface do it in my heart purge me with his This kind of change is only possible through a work of the Holy Ghost. But it requires cooperation on the part of the believer. (laughs) Well, I don't understand why God's not changing me because you're not changing you. I wish I could get somebody to pay a little attention to what I'm preaching up in here. I don't understand why God's not fixing all my problems because you're not fixing any of your problems. I don't understand why I keep dealing with all these, all these things because you're not dealing with them. God's not touching them because you won't touch them. You expect God to deliver you, but you're not doing anything to help out in the deliverance process. God, I need deliverance from alcohol. Quit going to the bar. God, I need deliverance from pornography. Get rid of all of the junk that you have and every access you have and get somebody that can look over your shoulder and it'll help you a whole lot in the beginning process. God will take the desire away when you change the habits. This kind of change is a work of the Holy Ghost. You can't do it by yourself. But the Holy Ghost will not do it without you. You got to make up in your mind. I'm going to be totally committed to this thing. I'm going to forget the things that are behind. The Holy Ghost can't forget them for you. You've got to forget them. You've got to put it behind you. You've got to walk away from it. We're called to come out of the world. You can't come out and stay there at the same time. I think it was Carter this morning. I don't know if he's here tonight. I think it was Carter this morning. He was with his mamma, but then he wanted to go with his dad. But then he wanted to stay with his mamma, but then he wanted to go with his dad. I smiled and said, well, that's a good illustration for tonight. I want to get out of the world, but I want to live in the world. 
I want to I want to live for God, but I, I want to stay connected. I, I want to stay here, but I but I want to I want to be here, but I want to be I, I want to do this and I want to do that. Let me tell you something. If you want to get away from all the, the mess in your life, some of you need to take out your cell phone right now while I'm preaching, and you need to start deleting numbers of people that you don't need to be talking to. And you need to be you need to be unlocking all of those security codes so your spouse can look at what you've been looking at. And you need to get real about it and say, uh-uh. I'm tired of living a fake, uncommitted life. I'm going to commit and submit to the will of God. I'm calling the church to commitment. I'm not worried about your money. God will provide the need. I come tonight to preach to a heart condition because when our heart gets right, we'll understand everything belongs to Him anyway. Every believer, every believer is called to discipleship. I'm going to be talking to you more about this, so I'm not going to over-preach this, this point tonight. Discipleship is personal growth in the things of God. I went to a seminar here a couple of weeks ago. Brother Stan Gleason talked to us about discipleship, and I want to bring you some of those principles here in a few weeks. But we are called to make disciples. But before we start making disciples, we've got to be a disciple. We are called to be a disciple. And we've got to be committed to discipleship. God, the church, every ministry of the church, every program, none of them are going to do anything in your life. None of them are going to be effective in your life unless you make up in your mind that I will allow myself to be led. I will follow the direction. It is a waste of time to show up and hear preaching and not go home and change. It is a waste of time. It is a waste of your time. you got to understand, I'm preaching a call to commitment tonight. Because when you commit to this thing, you will understand that it's not my brother nor my sister, but it's me. We've got to commit ourselves. I've got to hurry. We've got to commit ourselves to study. Commit ourselves. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Disciples are learners, and we should never reach the point that we feel like that we have learned everything there is to learn, and we know everything there is to know. Sometimes I want to look at people that always try to give me all the answers when they're asking me a question of why they're in the mess they're in, but they have all the answers. I want to say, how's that working out for you? Make a commitment to change. But you will never make a commitment to change until you recognize 
My lack of change may be why I'm where I'm at. And when the pain of being where you are becomes greater than the, than the pain of change, then change will happen. Every believer is called to commitment to involvement in a local church body. Well, it's just me and Jesus thing. See, I don't need no pastor. I don't need no church. You ain't studying the word. You got to have a church. You got to have a home church. And you got to be faithful to the home church. And you got to have a pastor. Because your pastor is going to present you unto the Lord. That's what the Bible says. The author Jerry Briggs comments in an article on commitment. He said, I've watched a parade of people through the church and through other churches. I wonder why so few commit themselves to the local body of believers in a significant way. Many come, many sit, many soak, and many do little. And the first call to commitment, they flee. I've noticed these folks always fail to become involved and rarely give of themselves sacrificially or financially. The local church is the first level of commitment outside of our personal relationship with the Lord that the Lord calls us to. He first calls us to relationship with him. But if you go to the book of Acts when the church was founded, they were not saved unless they were added to the church, and they were not added to the church unless they were saved. And if you'll go to the book of Acts and you'll read how the church got started, there were many added to the church, 3,000 in one day, 5,000 in another. And you can go on reading the masses of people, but everybody that was, that was saved was added to the church, and everybody that was added to the church were saved. You're not going to have one without the other. Otherwise, you're just taking up a seat. But you are not going to be saved unless you are committed to a local church, and you're not going to be committed to a local church very long unless you are saved because you know what's going to happen. You'll get crossways and find fault and find your way out the door. I'm preaching to save somebody's soul tonight. The local church with all of its imperfections is still the Lord's major avenue. It's his main avenue through which he accomplishes his work on earth. The church gathers for worship, teaching, and fellowship to gain power to carry out the ministry as each member is scattered to their various places and responsibilities in life and in the world. It all comes from the epicenter of the church. The members who forsake the assembling of, their, of themselves together forfeits the power of a corporate identity of the church. Commitment to the church is deeper than just attendance. But it does begin there. You will never truly feel a part of this church or any other church by only attending services. If you want to feel part of the church, you're going to have to get involved in what the church is involved in. That means you're going to have to be part of everything that is going on and stop making excuses of all the reasons why. We are all busy. But I tell people, people often they'll come in my office and say, Pastor, I wanted to talk to you, but you're so busy. I am. I'm the busiest man I know. 
But I'm a pastor and I always have time. That's why I always return phone calls. I always respond to emails. And I always have time to meet with people that come and say, Pastor, I want to meet with you. I may not have time to eat lunch, but I'll find time to do the important things in my life. I don't have time to go fishing. I'd like to. I don't have time to go hunting as much as I'd like to. I'll I'll make time for that when I can. But when it comes to ministry, this is my calling. This is what God's called me to do. Busy, yes, I am. In a hurry, a lot of times, yes, I am. But I will never let my schedule get in the way of doing what God has called me to do. My commitment to this local church is part of my relationship with Jesus Christ because I am wanting to fulfill His will in my life and His great commission through my life and through my ministry. Therefore, I have to commit to everything that is connected with that call. Commitment. To a local church demands faithfulness and loyalty. When we are unfaithful, we send a message to everyone. Don't make it hard for me to preach this. You're here. (laughs) Wake up your neighbor. When we're unfaithful. We send a message to God, to the pastor, to the leadership of the church, to everybody in the church, everybody that notices that I'm unfaithful. We're sending a message that we're uncommitted. When we are unfaithful in our relationship and walk with God, it becomes very evident. When you're in the church one day and out of the church the next day, in the church one day and out of the church the next day, you cannot expect to find the favor of God nor the favor of the people. Is it okay for me to preach on commitment? Some of you tell me, Pastor, I like it when you preach hard, but you're not amening me like you're liking it tonight. When we are uncommitted, we're likely to begin to criticize things that we don't understand, that we think we do. We criticize the church, the leadership. And when you start criticizing the church and the leadership, you know, I've told several people this. I've had a lot of people through the years. I've gotten gotten tough hide over the years. Brother Price used to tell me, you're too thin-skinned, boy. The ministry's going to toughen you up, get ready, and it did. Dealt with a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of thorns, and a lot of thistles, and a lot of scratches, and got a lot of bruises along the way. I've gotten thick enough skin now that a lot of times people say, well, what are you going to do about that? Nothing. Well, doesn't that upset you? No. I wish they wouldn't, but they're opposing themselves. They're not opposing me. They think they're opposing me, but they're hurting themselves. I told somebody one time, they came, was telling me, they said, well, you know, this person said this and this person said that. And I said, well, what did you say? They said, nothing. I said, well, there's the problem. You listened without standing up. Well, I didn't agree with them. You listened and you didn't stand up. Hello. Let's all be dismissed. Start packing, babe. They're wanting us to leave. 
I told somebody one time, I said, here's what you failed to remember. I got voted in here. That means I won a popular vote. So chances are the majority's on my side. But if you choose to vote me out over preaching what I'm preaching tonight, I'd rather be in a storefront with a group of people that want the truth preached than in a cathedral with thousands of people. And I know you're not that kind of people. You're a people that love truth preaching. But I'm reminding us tonight, we've got to be committed. We've got to be sold out to this thing. We can't be wishy-washy. We've got to get sold out and committed to what God is doing in the church. Look at your neighbor and tell him, be loyal. Make a commitment to get involved in the life of the church and be loyal. You're never going to win favor by causing dissension. Be loyal. You're never going to win favor by being unfaithful. Be faithful. Everybody shout commitment. And every believer is called to commit to cooperation. Commitment to a local church means deciding on a church home and moving in for a permanent stay. But it's much more than that. We have to make it our own. I was talking to somebody the other day, and that is the key to discipleship building in the church. People come in, they may like the music, they may like the preaching, or maybe not. They may like a few of the people in the church, or maybe all the people in the church. They like the programs. They like children's ministry, which is awesome. They like the music ministry, which is awesome. They like the youth ministry, which is awesome. They like the seniors ministry, which is awesome. We're just awesome. Got a lot of hardworking people giving of themselves. And so people come and they commit to the church and they make things awesome. But let me tell you, it's more than just deciding on a church. But you've got to commit to the church. A commitment to cooperation means I'm going to do more than attend. I'm going to do more than, than make a decision on this is where my membership's going to be. And I'm going to do more than write a check once in a while in tithing. But I am going to commit to making this my church. Why don't you look at two or three, go ahead and stand with me for a moment and just turn to two or three people around you. Look at them and ask them, is this your church? Is this your church? Answer them, is this your church? Is this your church? You got to make it your own. Good, you can sit down. I just wanted you to rest because I'm going to preach a while. Commitment to the local church also means actively using what God has blessed you with in the spirit of cooperation for the furtherance of the church. It is not about where I want to be used or what I want to do. I don't like having to unclog the toilet on Monday. But I've learned those skills if you know what I mean. I, I don't like going in the nursery and taking out stinky diapers on Monday, but I don't like the smell in my office without it. I got skills that you won't imagine. It comes along with the territory. 
I'm blessed to sit at the head of the table. I'm blessed to stand in a pulpit and preach to a wonderful group of people. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be called your pastor. But that means I've got to be a servant. And whatever i got to do, if it's sweep a floor, unclog a toilet, take out the trash, work wherever I'm at, building a church, laboring, teaching a Bible study, working behind the scenes, whatever I've got to do, I've got to do it because I am committed to the work of God. you got to make up your mind. If it's sacrifice, I'm there. If it's fellowship, I'm in. If it's labor, you can count on me. If it's prayer, you got it. If it's giving, I will do my best. If it costs me, this is my life. If it helps you, I will be there because you're my church family. you got to make up your mind. This is where I'm planted. I'm not going to sit here. You ever go and buy those, buy you some some nice um, landscaping plants and you leave them in the pot and guess what happens? They don't grow. I mean, they'll do a little bit. You keep them watered every day, and they'll, but they just, they, they just, they'll just sit there. If you want them to grow, you got to plant them. That means you got to break them out of the pot, and you got to put them in, and you got to, then the root system will start to grow. Let that plant sit there for a few years, and you go back, and you got to have a piece of heavy equipment to pull that thing out of the ground because those roots have gone in. I'm preaching to some CLC members. You've been around here long enough. You need to put some roots down deeper than what you've ever put them down before and make up, my, make up your mind. This is my church. This is where God has planted me, and as long as I'm planted here, I've got to grow. And if I'm going to grow, i got to put roots down, and i got to let my roots get settled in what God is doing in the church I'm closing Cheryl give them some hope please I hope this is more than a message tonight I hope this is more than just a commitment service for a campaign weekend because right at this moment I want to just prop open the doors of the church And it doesn't matter. I know we have some guests here tonight. God bless you. I'm thrilled that you're here tonight. I don't always preach so silly. Sometimes I actually act sophisticated. Well, maybe. (laughs) It doesn't matter if this is your first visit or if you've been coming here for years. I've tried to reach for your heart tonight because your first commitment has got to be to God. And your second commitment's got to be to a local assembly. And when you commit to God and you commit to a local assembly, there is something that's going to begin to happen in your life because there's not a devil in hell that can stop what God wants to do. Because when you are planted in a church, here's here's what the Lord said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That's why I want my roots to be planted in a local assembly, in a local church, because when the winds of life comes, I've got some brothers and sisters that's helping me. When I go through a struggle, i got some brothers and sisters holding me up. When I go through difficulty, i got brothers and sisters that are, that are there for me saying, I'll go with you. I'm going to hold you up. i got your back. I'm going to stand with you. Hey, we don't walk away from a brother or sister when just because they're down, we're going to fight for you.
stand with me tonight? I've opened the door of the church tonight. I hear the voice of Jesus saying, come. Let him that a thirst come. Let him that's hungry come. I'm calling the church to commitment tonight. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed now. Limit your movement, if you would, for just a few moments. If you have not truly committed yourself to God, I wouldn't leave here tonight without making that commitment. If it's been a long time since you've committed to God, I'm going to make a real suggestion to you. Don't leave here tonight until you make a new and fresh commitment to the Lord. And if you're not committed to a local assembly, if you don't have a church home, if you're not faithful at a local assembly, I wouldn't leave here tonight without talking to God about letting you get planted and getting some roots down to where he can grow your life because you're never going to grow until you get some roots down. And then God can grow and develop everything, all of your potential and all of your callings and all of your giftings can all begin to flourish, but they won't flourish until you get some roots down in your life. When you entered into the building tonight, or actually just before that I began to preach tonight, you were given trifold commitment cards. I suppose but now that everyone in the room has a commitment card, if not, lift your hand and the usher will come and will serve you now at this moment. I'm going to give you some specific direction now to please take the commitment card that you have and tear off the commitment portion of the trifold. You can see it's perforated and it'll tear off easily. And you can fill this out. There's a front and a back to that card. There's an area where we're asking of some of your interests and some of your skills. Some areas where when we need folks to work in specific areas that we can call on you and ask you for advice, ask you for labor. And then there's some areas of financial commitment. There's areas of prayer commitment. And then there's areas of sacrificial volunteer labor. All of these areas, if you would, to please consider filling them out. Don't leave anything blank. If you would just take a moment to look through. In your commitment, there's five areas of financial commitment that we ask you to consider. If you'll consider all five areas, perhaps you could do more than you ever believed or thought that you could do financially. You do what you can. You've had family meetings this week. You've thought about this. You've prayed over it. You've considered it. I'm not asking anyone to do anything irrational. But whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. But if you'll begin to fill out that, that card here in just a moment, I'm going to call you. And when I make the call for you, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And here's what we're going to do. First of all, my first call tonight when I make that call here in just a moment is going to be for all of those who want to make a personal commitment to the Lord. It has nothing to do with a card in your hand. But you want to make a personal heart commitment to the Lord. We're going to invite you to come first. Because there's not a lot of room here. So we want you to be able to come forward first. And then secondly, for those tonight who want to make a, a commitment, a financial commitment, a prayer commitment, a labor commitment, 
then I'm going to ask you to come forward with your cards. And here's what we're going to do with those cards tonight. We're going to bring them and we're going to lay them here on the altar. We're just going to lay them here across the front on the altar. There's two sides to them. You have an envelope in your hand. Feel free to utilize the envelope for privacy's sake. You can bring those forward and lay those across when I call you here in just a few moments. But as you bring them, I don't want you to just bring them as an act of I'm coming and just making a commitment. But I want you to bring them making a prayerful commitment as unto the Lord. While you do so, while you're filling out the card tonight, I want to ask you a few questions. Will you commit yourself to God? Totally, fully, completely committed to the Lord. Saying, I won't turn back and I won't walk back into my old life, but I want to make a commitment to God. Secondly, will you make a commitment tonight to the church? Will you commit tonight that I'm, I don't want to just be a member here. I want to be part of the body. I want to be part. I want to be connected into everything that God is doing. Will you commit yourself to begin to build some new relationships within the church? Could you make that kind of commitment tonight? Would you consider making some new and real relationships within the church? I know everybody wants the pastor and pastor's wife's time, and we do our best, but there's no way possible with 300 members or so that we can spend every day with somebody or we would never have a free day. But you can make members with membership and friendships within the church. And would you commit to opening your life, your group of friends? Maybe when you go out to dinner, you would just commit to saying, I'm going to just make an extra phone call and ask somebody else to go. Don't be presumptuous and think they don't want you. I got a feeling I know this church pretty well. And this is a good, friendly church that enjoys having people and meeting new friends. Would you consider making a commitment to building stronger and deeper relationships within the church? Will you commit to being more faithful and more loyal than you have ever been to the church? Forget about what's happened in the past. Forget about who said what. Forget about what you've done in the past or your lack of faithfulness or your lack of loyalty. God will forgive you for it and I will forgive you for it and the rest of the church will forgive you for it. But from here forward, why don't you turn over a new leaf and say this is the beginning of a brand new me. I'm committing to God. Would you commit tonight to looking for opportunities to engage in the work of the Lord deeper than you ever have before? Get on board. There's probably nothing that you'll ever be part of than what the next 18 months are going to be exciting times for this church as we're building a new building. This is a great time to get to know one another, to work together, to build friendships. Will you commit to me that you will stop waiting to be asked? but that you will just make yourself available. Availability is often much better than ability. It's not always those with ability, but it's those who have made themselves available. If we all make commitments tonight, if your answer to one of those six questions that I just asked you is yes tonight, I feel like that this message will be successful. 
But I feel like that some of you can answer yes to two or three or five or maybe even all six and say, I'm going to be more and do more and commit more than I've ever committed before. And if we make those commitments tonight, the church will be a different place. The church will be a different place. Now, before you come forward tonight, would you just lift your hands toward heaven? And would you just begin to talk to the Lord about your level of commitment? This isn't a prayer to me. This isn't a prayer to your neighbor. You don't have to be loud about it if you're not comfortable. But can you commit, God, I need to commit a new and fresh relationship with you. I'm getting ready to call you forward here in just a moment. But right now, you can begin talking to the Lord. Lord, I'm getting ready to commit to you. I'm getting ready to commit to you, Lord. Now, if you're in the room and you know that you're wanting to make a commitment to God or recommit your life to God in a fresh and new way that you haven't in a long time, I first appeal to you tonight. Would you step out from where you are? This is going to be easy because there's going to be a lot of folks coming forward. But if you want to commit fresh and new tonight to say, I've got to recommit my heart and life to the Lord, I, I appeal to you first tonight for those making a fresh commitment to the Lord. I appeal to you first and then... The rest of you can follow tonight now as these come forward. Everybody's welcome. Whether you're a longtime member or first-time guest, everybody is welcome. Would you step forward tonight, make a commitment to the Lord, bring your offering with you, bring your commitment card with you tonight. We're not receiving a special offering, but your commitment card. You can come and commit that here on the altar tonight and just lay them across the altar and commit them to the Lord tonight. Lily of the valley, let your sweet aroma fill my life. Rose of Sharon, show me how to grow in beauty in God's sight. Fairest of 10,000, make me a reflection of your light. Oh, day star shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night lead me Lord I'll follow anywhere you open up the door let me know your wisdom Show me things I've never seen.